You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, December 24th reading of the Arapahoe County News. My name is Mary Ann. Today we will be reading the following main articles. A Fistful of Festive, Sentinel Guide to Top To-Dos on the Cusp of 22 by the Sentinel Staff. Yes, there is a Santa Claus, and no, COVID-19 won't stop him by the Associated Press. Police said ex-cop accused of murder in shooting Aurora Teen was drunk and aggressive by the Sentinel staff. Arapahoe County DA demands state detail decision to parole suspected juvenile sex offender by Karina Julig. A Fistful of Festive Sentinel Guide to Top To-Dos on the Cusp of 22 by the Sentinel Staff. Who among us hasn't lamented that 2021 was everything we didn't think it would be after 2020? Now, with more unsettling pandemic news on the horizon, the call to celebrate or call it off is in the mix again. Sentinel staffers have got you covered for making this holiday season as festive as you want or can tolerate, no matter how done or undone you are by almost two years of life in the pandemic. Get outside and stay outside, oogling incredible holiday light displays, or skate on someone else's thin but solid ice at an outdoor ice skating rink. Vaxxed to the max and ready for something inside, resembling the old normal before the pandemic? We've got the list of shows and exhibits to make the holiday more like the old one. Check out all you can do in the next few days and weeks to get out of the pandemic mode and into 2022. Ice skating at the Pond Ice Rink at Southlands Mall now through February 20th, 2022. Ticket information can be found at shopsouthlands.com backslash events programs, excuse me, event programs backslash the pond. Few things scream winter activity more than ice skating. The opening scene of a Charlie Brown Christmas taught us that. Luckily, Southlands Mall has again opened their ice skating rink, The Pond, for another year of lacing up the skates and moving throngs of others as one unit, counterclockwise. Even with the unseasonably warm weather, the fine people of Southlands Mall have found a way to bring this tried-and-true tradition to life once again. Given the social distancing distancing protocols resulting from the ongoing pandemic, reservations need to be made this year, and tickets can be purchased well in advance through the website. 
as well as taking social distancing into account. Due to the tri-county health mandates, masks are required inside the skate rental building. But that small requirement shouldn't hinder the fun you are sure to have on the ice. So after you return that ugly sweater you are sure to get this holiday season, make sure you take some laps around the pond. Winter Wonderland at Cherry Creek North, 2401 East 2nd Avenue, Denver. If you want to enjoy some Christmas lights without having to wander too far afield, look no further than Cherry Creek North. The mall's Winter Wonderland Light Walk is up through December 31st. The nearly one million light display is completely free to enjoy, provided you don't get sucked into some shopping while you're there, and even comes with the opportunity to win a $1,000 gift card. Along with lights, there are eight sparkling trees choreographed to music and domino effect, an interactive art installation featuring 120 giant dominoes. Blossoms of Light at the Denver Botanic Gardens. November 19th through January 8th, $16 to $19 for members and $18 to $20 for non-members, 4.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Tis the season to fill your senses, that's for sure. With the sweet smells of evergreens and a variety of potpourri in local shops, your sense of smell is getting quite a workout. But why stop with just one of the five? Let's give those eyes some excitement, too, by filling them with thousands upon thousands of colored illuminated bulbs. You can find this aesthetically pleasing abundance of technicolor dreams by taking the fam on a tour of the Blossoms of Light at the Denver Botanic Gardens. The gardens say the tour takes roughly 60 to 75 minutes to complete. There is even a new feature this year that starts off the tour, a 200-foot-long, 17-foot-tall tunnel of animated lights. For more than three decades, this has been the featured event at the Denver Botanic Gardens, and it is certainly worth checking out. It continues beyond Christmas, beyond the Christmas holiday into the first week of January, so be sure to book your tickets. These are literally the darkest days of the year, which seems enough reason to get out to the Botanic Gardens. Glamp Christmas. Now through January 2nd. Ticket prices vary, $8 to $25. Heritage Lakewood Belmar Park, 801 South Yarrow Street, Lakewood, Colorado, 80226 www.denvercenter.org Creator Lonnie Hansen is at it again with Christmas with excuse me Creator Lonnie Hansen is at it again with Camp Christmas but this year is bigger and better than ever In 2019 the show was contained to Stanley Marketplace's hangar but the -the over-the-top Christmas immersive experience grew and grew and now calls Lakewood home. The exhibit takes on two meanings of camp. Like summer camp, if it was dreamt up by the big man 
in red, and also if his fashion taste was so bad, it was actually kind of good. See Met Gala 2019. Sip seasonal cocktails, surround yourself with all the holiday spirit, yes, all of it, and visit Santa's Glamp site each day from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. until January 2nd when Mr. Claus packs it up and heads north and Hansen starts dreaming about what to add to next year's event. For more information on tickets and time, visit denvercenter.org. Living Lights at the Butterfly Pavilion. December 17th through January 2nd. Adults $15, children $10, and seniors $11. 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Last entry at 9.15 p.m. Reservations required. www.butterflies.org If you don't think holiday magic when you hear the words biofluorescent invertebrae, then it's time to visit the Butterfly Pavilion in Jefferson County for its new Living Lights immersive experience. Glow-in-the-dark scorpions, a firefly forest, and even a dark dance party and aerial performers are all part of the experience. It's like if Bugs had a holiday laser show extravaganza. Catch a glimpse at the creepy crawlies isn't just entertaining, but also helps foster an appreciation for invertebrates and their integral role in ensuring a healthy planet, the organization says. To attend, visit www.butterflies.org for tickets and reservations. Christmas Tree Recycling December 27th through January 10th, 2022. Delmar Park, uh, 12000 East 6th Avenue, Saddle Rock Golf Course, 21705 East Arapahoe, or Olympic Park, 15501 East Yale Avenue. For some, it is tradition to keep their tree up until January 6th, which is known as Epiphany. Some keep their trees up until the stock show leaves town at the end of January, and others just want it out of the house, celebrating the end of the stress season. No matter what you prefer, the city of Aurora makes it easy to get rid of your live trees once you're all Christmased out. Why not have one last hurrah and take the whole family to recycle the tree? There are three locations throughout the city where you can drop off your tree to be recycled. Just make sure it is stripped of ornaments, nails, and any other accoutrements you might have decorated your piney friend with. What's more, it's free. That's right. For the nominal fee of nothing, the city will safely dispose of your tree. Denver Art Museum Exhibits, 100 West 14th Avenue, Parkway, Denver, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., Close Christmas. Tickets $13 for Colorado residents. Purchase advance online at denverartmuseum.org. 
The Denver Art Museum is back with several gorgeous displays of art and sculpture. Whistler to Cassette, American Painters in France, explores the impact that French painting styles had on American artists and features over a hundred paintings from the 19th and early 20th century by standouts such as John Singer Sargent and Mary Cassatt. The exhibit runs only through March 13th, so don't miss out. If traditional art isn't quite your thing, also on display are two collections about design and a collection about women's fashion. The renovated Martin Building is host to an exhibition of Latin American art. Currently, masks are required inside the museum for all visitors, regardless of vaccination status. Upcoming Theater Productions The explosion in live theater brought on by the holidays has died down, and you've probably missed your chance to see A Christmas Carol or The Nutcracker this season. But not to worry. There are still plenty of other plays and musicals on the horizon. In Denver, the comedic musical The Other Josh Cohen is running at the Garner Galleria Center. The 90-minute romp is described as a life-changing laugh fest that will leave you feeling better about the world. If you're in the mood for something more hair-raising, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is running at the Singleton Theater beginning January 7th. The ultimate story about a dysfunctional family will be sure to make any strained moments over the holiday seem blissful in comparison. Buy tickets to both online at denvercenter.org. In Aurora, the Spinfany Quartet will be serving up an eclectic New Year's Eve performance that mashes up contemporary favorites with traditional classic songs. Tickets are $28 to $40 and can be purchased online at auroraFoxArtsCenter.org. Masks are required to be worn during performances at all venues. Children's Museum, Noon Year's Eve, Friday, December 31st at 10 a.m., noon, and 2 p.m. General admission applies. For more information, visit mychildsmuseum.org slash events. What's better than celebrating the end of 2021 with a ball drop? Celebrating the end of 2021 with a ball drop at noon. The Children's Museum in Denver has the right idea. Get all the fun stuff out of the way early so you can snooze right into 2022. The family-friendly event will be held in the museum's new exhibit, Snow Days, which brings all the best parts of Snow Days into one place without, well, you know. Reservations for the event are now open. Watch the ball drop at 10 a.m., noon, or 2 p.m. Music and treats from the testing kitchen will be included with the event. General admission costs apply. Get a booster shot. Tis the season to avoid the Omicron variant. A variety of vaccination clinics will be open and offering first, second, and booster doses in an effort to help curb the pandemic. 
Colorado boasts 1,800 vaccine providers across the state, and several pop-up clinics will be easily accessible at big events through the beginning of the year and beyond. While you're picking up last-minute gifts, swing through the clinic at the Aurora Municipal Center. Hundreds of appointments are available as are walk-ins. If you're thinking of hitting an avalanche game, make sure to wear layers. Not just because it's chilly ringside, but because your nurse will want a straight shot at your bicep. Clinics will be set up at the December 29th game, the December 30th Nuggets game, and the December 31st Mammoth game. Other large vaccination sites will be operating across the state. Visit covid19.colorado.gov for hours and addresses. Need a ride? No problem. Dial 211 or visit 211colorado.org to help making it to get help making it to a vaccine appointment. Hike through Waterton Canyon. 12437 to 12489 Waterton Canyon, Littleton, Colorado, 80127. Over the river and through the woods to Waterton Canyon we go. This dirt road hike is as easy as it gets. Winding through Waterton Canyon, you can hike all the way to Strancha Springs Dam should you decide to trek the 6.2 miles one way to the base of the dam. But if you don't feel like schlepping the 12.4 mile round trip, take the leisurely approach and saunter along this trail that runs along South Platte River, which conveniently enough feeds Aurora 50% of its water. Since this trail is used as, as a service road by Denver Water, the paths are wide and suitable for hiking and mountain biking. Should you just want a nice relaxing lunch outside to take in this unseasonably warm weather, there are riverside picnic tables littered throughout this canopied escape, just 35 minutes outside of the city. And speaking of litter, always make sure you pack out what you pack in. Leave only footprints. Who knows, you may even spot a bighorn sheep or a bald eagle. Tour Colorado Springs Gingerbread Houses. 1 Lake Avenue, Colorado Springs, 80906. Forget gingerbread houses this holiday season. Like the rest of the market, they're already spoken for by multiple cash offers from Californians. The Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs has upped the ante and built a 2,000-pound gingerbread chateau. It took 10 pastry chefs more than 288 hours to build the 10-foot-tall, 12-foot-wide abode, according to the local newspaper. That's more than 400 pounds of flour and 950 pounds of powdered sugar. You can glimpse the Sugar Plum Mansion through the beginning of the year. After that, it's being bulldozed for condos. New Year's Eve fireworks. Can't wait for this year to be over? Join the club, buddy. For a festive way to say good riddance to 2021 and ring in the new year, head down to 16th Street Mall on New Year's Eve 
where fireworks will once again be set off after being canceled last year. There will be one display at 9 p.m. for the early risers and another at midnight. Each display will be about eight minutes long and choreographed to music. Fireworks can be seen from anywhere on the mall, and DJs along the mall will be playing tunes from 8 p.m. to midnight. RTD travelers should be aware that light rail trains will not cross 16th Street Mall from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. Christmas at Gaylord Rockies, November 19th to January 2nd, 2022. Christmas at GaylordRockies.Marriott.com The oasis that can be seen from Aurora from many places on a clear day is again a bustling site of winter activity if you don't mind being around a bunch of other people this holiday season. The place has seriously gone over the top for Christmas this year, doing so even though Colorado is far from a winter wonderland this year, with nary a sprinkle of snow. Snow doesn't come inside anyways, does it? But there is plenty of cold-themed entertainment inside the doors, including the holidays show that promises a cast of holiday characters coming to life, all for as low as $19 per ticket or as high as 109 depending on how much you have left in your wallet this season, for shows at 3 p.m. or 7 p.m., including two performances on Christmas Day that still have availability. A multi-sensory experience with Buddy the Elf, snow tubing, ice skating, gingerbread decorating, shopping, and more can give any family ready to make the trek out near Denver International Airport Hours of fun in tough times. Christmas in Colorado at Bandemir Speedway, November 19th to January 2nd, 2022. Tickets are $35 to $45, one per car, available at christmasincolor.net. The slowest cars to run at Bandemir Speedway which carries the moniker Thunder Mountain and draws flocks of those with the need for speed, come during the Christmas in Colorado experience, which runs 5.30 to 10 p.m. daily through the second day of the new year, though it is closed Christmas night, and offers endless treats for the eyes. If you're not thrilled by the light displays in your neighborhood, many seem to think the lighting spirit is sorely lacking this year, then head to a venue that is set up to thrill with a boasted total of 1.5 million lights. Run the venue's musical broadcast through your FM radio and marvel at the giant candy canes, snowmen, and arched pathways as long as your driver pays attention, as nobody needs a holiday fender bender. Pack as many people as you can, safely of course, into the vehicle and only one ticket is required. Tickets which require just one per carload vary from $35 to $40, depending on the time slot purchased, which come in half-hour increments, and enter any time during that window, and can only be purchased online to make it a contactless process. Special Olympics Ski Coach at Copper Mountain 
Sign up now for January and beyond at specialolympicsco.org. You know you want it. A sunny day high in the trees, fresh snow, newly sharpened ski edges, and that look on someone's face when they're loving the snow ride. Now mix in the pleasure of coaching, not just some Olympic skiers, but Colorado's special Olympic athletes, and you've got the perfect mix to a perfect New Year. Colorado Special Olympics is looking for a few good coaches, and now is the time to sign up if you think you've got the right stuff. Right now, we are going to need 20 or more volunteer alpine skiing coaches by the middle of January, says Special Olympics of Colorado Marketing Director Ben Thune. To make the grade, you need to be an experienced skier, able to commit about 12 hours on practice days over an eight-week period, able to get to and from Copper Mountain on Wednesday or Sundays, and support more than one athlete at once who have intellectual disabilities. Special Olympics specialists teach you how to train and coach these athletes. What do you get? Free lift tickets at Copper for the days you're there, bus transportation from Colorado Springs and Morrison on Wednesdays, and the opportunity to bring Olympic grins and goals to life for everyone on the team. Interested? Go to specialolympicsco.org. Holiday Happenings at Stanley. Looking for some nearby post-Christmas fun? On Sunday, December 26th, the Tattered Cover Kids Bookstore at Stanley Marketplace will be holding a Kwanzaa story time at 5 p.m. Whether you already celebrate the holiday or want to learn what it's all about, the bookstore will have plenty to teach about Kwanzaa history and traditions so that you can create some of your own. If you're looking for more of an adult outing, Several days later, Chaluna Brewing Company at Stanley will be holding a New Year's Eve pre-party on Thursday, December 30th from 6 p.m. Uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. The brewery will have live DJ, tamales, prize giveaways, and of course, plenty of beer. Yes, there is a Santa Claus, and no, COVID-19 won't stop him by the Associated Press. Peterson Space for Space. Rest assured, kids of all ages, Santa's coming this Christmas Eve and a second holiday with COVID-19 won't stop him. That's the word from the joint U.S.-Canadian military operation that for 66 years has been tracking jolly old St. Nicholas on his global mission and has assured us all first by landline and more recently by iPhone, Android, OnStar, Facebook, YouTube, and more, that he's on his way with a sleigh stuffed with toys and a welcome dose of joy. And what's become its own wildly popular tradition, the Colorado-based North American Aerospace Defense Command provides real-time updates on Santa's progress December 24th, from 4 a.m. to midnight Mountain Standard Time. NORAD's Santa Tracker lets families watch Father Christmas in 3D as he transits the South Pacific, Asia, Africa, and the Americas. 
From deep inside NORAD headquarters, dozens of volunteers field an unrelenting wave of phone calls to one 877 hinorad or one 877 They and other volunteers working off-site because of coronavirus distancing protocols will answer such questions as, when will he come to my house? What kind of cookies does he like? Said program manager and NORAD spokesperson Preston Schlater. Even before Friday's takeoff, the NORAD webpage had been visited by had been visited more than three million times, Schlater said. Every household, every country is having to deal with this impact of the pandemic. Santa Claus is an icon, and he is a source of joy for a lot of people, Schlater said. For those worried about Santa's safety, or their own, the bearded man will likely be wearing a mask at each stop, and of course he's wearing gloves, Schlater noted. For the technically inclined, NORAD's website offers more data on the voyage. Weight of gifts at takeoff, 60,000 tons, or 54,600 metric tons, sleigh propulsion 9RP, or reindeer power. Like any good Christmas tale, the program's origin has been told for generations. In 1955, Air Force Colonel Harry Shoup, the on-duty commander one night at NORAD's predecessor, the Continental Air Defense Command, answered a call from a child who dialed the number that was misprinted in an ad in a newspaper, thinking she was calling Santa. Shoup answered the call, thought it was a prank at first, but then realized what had happened and assured the child that he was Santa, and thus started the tradition that we are celebrating now 66 years later, Schlater said. NORAD's mission is to watch the skies above North America for any potential threats. Come early Christmas Eve, the Santa operation begins when a cluster of radar stations in northern Canada and Alaska pick up an infrared signature emanating from Rudolph's nose. NORAD's array of geostationary satellites above the Earth monitor the journey. It's all shown on a large unclassified display screen in a festively decorated command post at Peterson Space Force in Colorado Springs. Masked volunteers sit at tables equipped with telephones, garland, miniature Christmas trees, plenty of caffeine-laden candy and coffee, and hand sanitizer. We have the watch is NORAD's military mission motto. And when it comes to Santa, NORAD adds, Santa calls the shots, we just track him. Police said ex-cop accused of murder in shooting of Aurora teen was drunk and aggressive by the Sentinel staff. Aurora. A former cop accused of killing a 17-year-old boy in Aurora over a traffic dispute was a drunken aggressor on the night of the shooting and pointed his gun at the boy before the teen shot him, according to a 40-page arrest affidavit by Aurora police detectives. Adam Holen, 
a former Greenwood Village police officer, was charged this week with second-degree murder and other crimes in the shooting death of 17-year-old Peyton Blitzstein the night before Thanksgiving as Holen and a group of teens squabbled about the teens driving. Holen is the primary aggressor. Holen was intoxicated. Aurora Police Detective Eric White concluded in his affidavit to Arapahoe County prosecutors. Despite witnesses and video indicating that the boy fired his gun first, striking Holen in the hip, police said Holen initiated and exacerbated the incident, shooting the boy numerous times, even after the boy collapsed. The chaotic few minutes started about 10.30 p.m. November 24th, when a group of teenagers drove up to one of the teens' home at 4900, in the 4900 block of South Addison Way. The driver of the car lives in the house and stopped there for money before she and four other teens in her car were going to go back out, according to the affidavit. While the girl living in the house was walking to her front door, Holen pulled up alongside them and rolled down the passenger window of his pickup. Holen lives a few houses away on the same block, investigators said. After the shooting, Holen told police that he'd seen the car frequently speeding in the neighborhood and decided that night to confront the driver. He said he yelled at the driver to slow down and that the other teens then got out of the car and the argument started. Just before the shooting, Holen said that after he and the driver yelled profanities at each other about racing in the neighborhood and that he got out of his car with the intention of talking to a parent in the house. Holen said that out of nowhere, three dudes got out of the car and they surrounded him. White wrote in the arrest statement, Holen said he wasn't trying to start anything, but the kids were telling him, F you, and I'm going to F you up. Obviously, I'm trained, Holen told an investigating officer, referring to his position with Greenwood Village that he'd left just days before. Holen told police at the scene that shit was about to go down, so he had his pistol at the low ready. White wrote, Investigators said low ready is a police term for holding an unholstered gun pointing down. This dude, Blitzstein, pulls out an effing pistol out of nowhere and just shoots me. Holland said he immediately fired back, emptying his handgun of about 10 rounds because that's what I was trained to do, according to the affidavit. He told police he was defending himself because before Blitzstein fired, the other boys in the car were flexing on him, meaning that they were acting aggressively as if they were going to get into a physical fight. Video camera footage and other witness statements countered that story. The other teens in the car and a video recording from a doorbell camera revealed Holland taunting the driver of the car as she went to her house and when she questioned who he was, he responded, Good night, kiss her good night, love you, have a good night, according to a police transcription of the doorbell video. The girl went inside the house, and Holen began arguing with others in the car. Two of the teenagers inside the car said so they either saw Holen draw his gun, 
point it toward them or heard Holen rack his gun loading around, according to the affidavit. One of the boys told Blitzstein that Holen had pointed a gun at him. Blitzstein got out of the car with his gun, his friend said, holding it down. Holen also got out of his truck, came around the back of it, White wrote. He and the boys, standing on the passenger side of the car, began to argue. The video reveals Holen grabbing something from the side of his hip and then moving toward the boys, White wrote. Holen raises his gun, points it at them, according to the affidavit. Blitzstein then raises his gun, words are exchanged, and the boy fires a shot as Holen moves toward him. Holen stumbles but regains his balance and continues advancing forward towards the boy and fires at him three times. Blitzstein falls back into the door and Holen fires several times again, according to the affidavit. Holen is then seen walking back around the tailgate of his truck and starts yelling. Are you kidding me? I'm a chill dude. He just came and shot at me, dude. He just came and shot at me. Are you kidding me? According to the transcription from the affidavit. Call an ambulance, man. Call an ambulance. He continues. Shit, man. People inside the house rush out to attend to Blitzstein. Holen yells that he's going to park his truck. A few minutes later, he returns and helps administer CPR to Blitzstein. Police and rescuers come, and both Holen and Blitzstein are rushed from the scene. When asked by police if he'd been drinking alcohol or using drugs, Holen said no, according to the affidavit. Blood samples drawn at the hospital that night, however, revealed Holen's blood alcohol level to be point. 193. In Colorado, a blood alcohol level of 0.08 or, or is legally intoxicated. Once Adam had sobered up, he could be discharged from the hospital, emergency room physicians reported that night, according to White. Police said Holland's drunkenness contributed to his aggressive behavior. As things were getting more heated, Holland chose to stay instead of driving away, White said in the report. Holland chose to get out of his truck and walk toward the teens. He chose to confront Peyton and Terrence with his handgun pointed at them. He pointed his handgun at one of the other boys before he got out of his truck. During the investigation, other teens acknowledged they knew Blitzstein carried a gun and had shown it to some of them previously. Police said the weapon was a ghost gun, indicating it was created with parts not traceable. The report did not conclude how Blitzstein obtained the weapon or ammunition, only that he told others he needed it for protection, saying he was planning on living near Colfax. The boy's father told police he was unaware his son had a weapon and that he would have taken it if he did, according to the affidavit. Blitzstein's family has made multiple appearances on local TV station, once during a vigil for the boy. Blitzstein was a student at Aurora's Vista Peak Preparatory Academy. The Colorado Springs Gazette reported that Holen resigned from Greenwood Village Police November 1st after five years on the force. 
He was arrested earlier this week and released from the Aurora Detention Center in lieu of an undisclosed bond. About half of Colorado COVID-19 infections now from Omicron variant, officials say, posing a new challenge for healthcare systems. By the Sentinel staff. Denver. Data collected across the state from positive COVID-19 test results suggests that about half of all infections in Colorado are not are now caused by the Omicron variant of the coronavirus, according to state health officials. The news bodes ill for already exhausted healthcare workers and struggling hospitals across the state, according to COVID-19 Incident Commander Scott Bookman. Officials say that much is still unknown about the new variant, but experts are certain it is far more transmissible than the other variants and capable of reinfecting past COVID-19 patients and those who are vaccinated. While some news reports suggest the Omicron variant causes less severe illness in unvaccinated people, there is no clear picture of whether that's true, said Colorado State epidemiologist Rachel Herlihy. We're seeing mixed data on severity, she said. Initial limited data from South Africa indicated a less severe illness in adults caused by the new strain. Data from some European countries, however, reveals a different picture, she said, adding that it's too soon to draw a conclusion. Also worrisome is that some early data, also from South Africa, shows that while adults presented less severe illness, the picture could be the opposite for children. What is clear is that those fully vaccinated with initial and booster doses have the strongest protection against severe illness, she said. Given patterns of infections in other cities and countries, the variant becoming the dominant strain in Colorado is inevitable. Using a variety of data and metrics, health officials estimated that about 45% of positive COVID-19 tests submitted showed a pattern of being caused by the Omicron variant. Because of the greater ability to cause infections, the new variant poses a new peril to Colorado. Even if more cases are less severe, the overall infections could result in a net increase in those with acute illness, officials said, requiring hospitalization. How people behave during the next few weeks, with schools out and people taking holidays, will affect the rate of infections and hospitalizations next month. Herlihy said that the state will continue to recommend a variety of mitigation techniques for schools, including masks, given an expected, excuse me, given an given an expected higher rate of transmission as the Omicron variant spreads across the state. She did not say when asked that schools unwilling or unable to invoke mandates should be forced to. Governor Jared Polis has steadfastly rebuked statewide mask mandates, including in schools, saying that decisions should be made locally. Douglas County has separated from the Tri-County Health Department over mask mandates, and a new slate of school board members in that county have reversed a mask mandate for the district's schools. 
Officials say the biggest risk next year will be overtaxing the healthcare system and hospital systems should more infections lead to more patients needing extreme care. Colorado has seen a steady decline in the rate of hospitalizations for about three weeks, ebbing from 1,847 hospitalized patients in late November to 1,026 today. Because COVID-19 patients can become so acutely ill, reducing severity and transmission will be paramount, officials said. Officials recommend that residents don't avoid testing, continue wearing masks, and distancing in public, but mostly, but most importantly, vaccinate and get booster vaccines. There are still 1,000 people hospitalized with COVID-19 today, Bookman said. Further stress on the hospital system creates a serious problem for the state, especially should a high rate of infections and hospitalizations persist. Et tu brut dry dock launching two beers for celebrating the new year by Kara Mason. Aurora. New Year's isn't traditionally a big beer holiday, just not the right kind of bubbly, but the brewers at Aurora's Dry Dock have changed that this year with two new holiday-inspired brews. The first, called New Year, New Brute, is a golden all-malt fermented with champagne yeast, the brewery said. It's made with a dose of... It's made with a dose of an enzyme to embody that classic French bubbly brute dryness. The beer comes in at a 7.5 ABV and 15 IBUs. Perhaps it's an attempt to shoulder aside another champagne of bottled beers. New Year, New Brute goes on tap at North and South Dock locations on December 27th. To ramp it up a notch, the Brewers are releasing Midnight Kiss on December 31st. It's the same beer, with addition, but with additions of raspberry puree, chocolate, and an edible silver glitter. Who said there wasn't anything good about 2021? Midnight Kiss is a single keg, one-time-only brew, and is sure not to last long. Catch it at the South Dock location only. Trucker's 110-year sentence draws outcry and clemency calls by the Associated Press. Denver. The family of a trucker sentenced to 110 years in prison after an explosive brake failure accident that left four people dead is planning to rally Wednesday in Denver to plead for clemency. Supporters of Rogel Aguilera Menderos said the sentence is deeply unjust and truck drivers around the country have taken up his cause using hashtags like No Trucks to Colorado and No Trucks Colorado. A Colorado judge has said mandatory minimum sentencing laws forced him to impose the long prison term after Aguilera Menderos was convicted of vehicular homicide and other charges. 
His family said in a statement they do not want to minimize the loss of those killed in the crash, but are calling on Governor Jared Polis to take immediate action to reduce the sentence for the 26-year-old man with no criminal record. He was not under the influence of drugs or alcohol and fully cooperated with investigators, supporters said in a statement. More than 4.5 million people have signed an online petition asking for a commutation. Polis, a Democrat, said Tuesday he is reviewing a clemency application. Prosecutors asked for a reconsideration of the sentence after the outcry, but also say the driver declined plea deal negotiations and the convictions recognize harm caused to the crash victims. On Tuesday, District Attorney Alexis King filed a motion asking the judge to consider the issue quickly. Aguilera Menderos defense attorney, James Colgan, said Wednesday the district attorney, who inherited the case from her predecessor, could have dropped some of the charges against him if she wanted a different sentence to be, to be reached, given the state's law. He said he is open to having either the governor or the judge decide a new fair sentence. He declined to say what that might be. When there's tragedy on both sides, there's got to be a happy medium because ruining someone's life isn't going to make life better for the victims, he said. Aguilera Menderos testified he was hauling lumber when the brakes on his semi-tractor or semi-trailer failed as he was descending a steep grade of I-70 in the Rocky Mountain foothills in spring 2019. His truck plowed into vehicles that had slowed because of another wreck outside Denver, setting off the chain reaction wreck and a fireball that consumed vehicles and melted parts of the highway. He wept as he apologized to the victim's family at his December 13th sentencing. I am not a murderer. I am not a killer. When I look at my charges, we are talking about a murderer, which is not me, he said. I have never thought about hurting anybody in my entire life. Prosecutors argued he should have used a runaway ramp designed for such situations. Aguilera Menderos, for his part, said he was struggling to avoid traffic and trying to shift to slow down. District Court Judge Bruce Jones said at sentencing that mandatory minimum sentencing laws require consecutive sentences on 27 counts of vehicular assault, assault, reckless driving, and other charges. I will state that if I had the discretion, it would not be my sentence, the judge said. The crash killed 24-year-old Miguel Angel Yamas Ariano, 67-year-old William Bailey, 61-year-old Doyle Harrison, and 69-year-old Stanley Politano. Relatives of victims supported at least some prison time at his sentencing hearing. Cherry Creek Students Building Tiny Homes for Homeless Cherry Creek Program Helps Effort to Get Unhoused Back on Feet by Ellis Arnold 
For the second time, students at Cherry Creek's Career and Technical Education Campus are building what are known as tiny homes as part of an effort to help people out of unsheltered homelessness in Denver. This project is not only teaching our students valuable life skills and preparing them for post-secondary careers, it's also showing them how to use their skills for the benefit of the community. Mike Degetis program coordinator and math teacher at the Cherry Creek Innovation Campus said in a news release. Compared to other, pract- compared to other practice builds in class, students take pride in this project because it will actually become someone's home. The tiny homes are small residences complete with plumbing and electricity capability that will house people at a tiny home village in Denver once they're completed in April, according to Cherry Creek School District news release. Tiny home villages provide a safe, dignified, and alternative sheltering mode for people coming from unsheltered homelessness in Denver, Colorado Village Collaborative, the organization partnering with the school district on the project, said in a news release. These villages bridge the gap between the streets and stable housing. In 2017, the city of Denver's first legal community of tiny homes opened along 38th Street, giving a small number of people a lift in their struggle to exit homelessness. The Colorado Village Collaborative launched the community called Beloved Community Village, which later moved to the city's Globeville neighborhood. The Colorado Village Collaborative later opened a tiny home village for women and transgender women to climb out of homelessness. To the organization's knowledge, the Women's Village was to be the second-ever legal tiny home village for people experiencing homelessness in the Denver metro area, according to Cole Chandler, executive director of the Colorado Village Collaborative. Named the Williams, excuse me, named the Women's Village at Clara Brown Commons, it sits near 37th Avenue and York Street, not far from the Five Points neighborhood. At the Cherry Creek Innovation Campus, high school students in the Cherry Creek School District come to learn skills in several trades, from construction management to cybersecurity. This year's build includes first and second year students in CCIC's infrastructure engineering pathway, according to the Colorado Village Cooperative. The Cherry Creek Innovation Campus is located at 8000 South Chambers Road near East Broncos Parkway. It sits in the Dove Valley area of unincorporated Arapahoe County, just outside Central Centennial. Thank you for joining us for the Arapahoe County News. My name is Mary Ann.